3: I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll
2: get you caught up with The 7 every weekday, so follow The 7 right now.
3: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Mark Moss Show where we talk about the decentralized revolution each and every week. The way the world is changing from a centralized world to a decentralized world, and it is not, unfortunately, not going to be a smooth transition. But I am hopeful. There's massive hope and prosperity on the other side. Things might be getting worse before they get better. But there is hope. But we look at it through the lens of politics, finance and technology so you can understand what is going on the context of the world. And today, I got a big topic. It's a topic that I talk about somewhat frequently. um, And in my opinion, it might be the most important topic of our day, right now. If this goes down the way they and who are they? They being the leaders of the world, uh, all the governments of the world, let's call it that. Uh, to put a name on the faces there, uh, the leaders, the governments of the world and the NGOs will, will talk about who they are. Um, if they have their way, oh boy, things are going to get bad. This is the fight. This is the fight right here. And so this is a big episode I want to talk about. We're going to talk about Censorship. We're going to talk about the end of free speech, and I'm going to break down exactly what's going on all around the world. There's massive amounts of movements, laws, regulations um, going into place right now to change the freedom of speech that we have in the United States and all around the world. And if that goes away, everything that we know goes away. The ability to even change things goes away if if we can't talk about things. And so we're going to talk about that. Like I said, this is going to be one of the most important shows that I've done because this is the most important topic of our lifetime. Um, And I guess we're seeing this authoritarian push everywhere from pushing experimental medicines into our bodies. Uh, If we don't even control our own body, what do we control? Uh, but, But controlling speech isn't just controlling speech. If they limit what I can say, it's not just limiting what I can say. It's also limiting what you can hear. More importantly, if it limits what you hear, then it limits what you know. And then if it limits what you know, it limits what your ideas and creativity are. If it limits me from what I can say, then it limits my thoughts because I have to start thinking about censoring myself, which I find myself doing on YouTube all the time. Uh, I still remember the time that, I, that it first happened to me, I was horrified to think that I was actually in that situation. Uh, but yet, here we are in that place. Now, um, I had an interview um, recently with an author, Martin Gurry. He's the author of a book called The Revolt of the Public. It's on my main YouTube channel. Just search Mark Moss on YouTube, Mark Moss, Martin Gurry, uh, if you want. It's an amazing book. I, I read through the comments, and you know, him and I didn't agree on everything, but um, I have a little bit different viewpoints on some of the history that he was uh, that that he kind of was uh, riffing off of, and I read through a lot of the comments on the YouTube video, and a lot of people were like, you know, why would you have this guy on? He doesn't agree with anything that you say. That's not the case. A lot of people thought he paid me to get on as an interview. Obviously, that's not the case. No one's ever paid me for an interview. Um, I read the book. I really liked the book. I think. I would encourage you to read the book. It had a lot of questions. I had a lot of questions after reading the book, and I wanted to bring the author on to talk about it. It's okay. We didn't agree on everything. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the point of freedom of speech. We're supposed to have open and honest debate. That's how the truth is found out. The truth is found through open, honest debate. And so, um, In the book, he basically talks about the revolt of the public, and he talks about how in order for governments to stay in control, they have to have the ability to control the narrative meaning they have to be the source of truth, the arbiter of truth. They have to tell you what they want. Now, we know this. We've seen this many times throughout history. We can go back 500 years to the Protestant Reformation when the church and the state had control over the people, um, and they told the people what was in the Bible. Once the printing press changed that, once technology— there's always things that changed. As technology changed that, we got the books out to everybody, and people could read the Bible for themselves. They said, hey, church and state— You're lying to us. You're manipulating us. What you're telling us is wrong. We have this information now, and the whole world changed. They always need to control the narrative. Now, as the governments of the world continue to become more corrupt, the uh, people—and now they're no longer able to control the narrative. The people see this, and the people want to push back. And basically what the book frames up as the revolt of the public is that the Internet has changed everything. In 2001— the year after the dot-com uh, boom, so that was uh, 22 years ago, Martin Gurry was, uh, I believe, working at the CIA at the time. And he said uh, that, that's when things changed for him, when he saw that in 2001, more information was created that one year than all of history before that. And then in 2002, more information was made in 2002 than in 2001, and we've had this we've had this explosion of information. And as we are now able to have this crowdsourced information, we don't need this arbiter of truth anymore. Now, part of the argument—well, it's not even an argument, in my opinion—but the reason why centralization always fails, and specifically central planning, so central planned governments, think socialism, communism, et etc., is because one guy or a dozen, a dozen people or two dozen, however many 200 lawmakers don't have enough knowledge and information to coordinate an entire economy. So in the United States, you know, 330 million people globally, 8 billion people, and this global economy, 8 billion people are constantly changing their wants, needs and desires. And we constantly want different products. And somehow, the exact product I want shows up on the shelf at the exactly the time that I want that. Take an iPhone, for example. The parts of this iPhone come from over six continents. How is it that all these people on all these different continents, from the people in Africa that dig the cobalt out of the ground, to the people that make the glass, to the people that assemble it in China, all the way to the Apple store here in the United States where I could pick it up, somehow all of those people across all those continents get all the parts, assemble them all, there's a market, there's a price, and it all shows up when I need it. How does that get coordinated? Well, it gets coordinated through a market, through the people, the collective power. The crowd is way more powerful. It has way more knowledge than a group of central planners will ever have. And now we do that with information. So we crowdsource this information. And so now, you know, I talk about this all the time, you've heard me. If I see something on Twitter, for example, I might think, oh my gosh, that's such a good point. I hadn't thought about that. But then when I start to read the comments, People just start picking it apart, right? And so that is the revolt of the public. They can no longer control the narrative. Now, uh, we've seen uh, mainstream media, you know, CNN, uh, CNBC, ABC, CBS, etc. They just continue to get demolished, continue to be eroded, uh, continue to lose their grip on this narrative. Now, there's a couple of reasons why this has happened. One of which is that the world's changed no longer do I want to tune in at 7 p.m. on Monday night to watch this show. It's just not the way the world works anymore. Now the world's on demand. So when I click on a link, I just want to watch a show. So to try to coordinate everybody to be at this slot, the entire idea of a news network like CNN is just outdated. It's obsolete. Like we don't need a network to have a lineup of shows working linearly where I have one show after the next show, after the next show, after the next show, after the show, and I have to watch it in that slot. (laughs) Those days are over. Uh, Once we had TiVo, if you remember that TiVo was what changed the world for me. We could, of course, record shows with a VCR before that, but no one could ever figure that out. Then we had TiVo. I could start recording it. Now we have video on demand. So I don't need a TV network to give me linear shows. I'm not going to line up at 7 p.m. to watch that show. So so the model's outdated. But it's also lost its relevant in the last couple of years because we constantly find out we're being lied to over and over and over and over. We constantly are losing trust in that. And so we have the rise of alternative media like my show. <laughs> my show is small, small potatoes, but you have Joe Rogan's of the world, et cetera, that are blowing it up and changing the narrative. And so, what happens if they start to lose their grip on controlling the narrative because people are starting to go to these decentralized choices? like Tucker Carlson, who just got fired. And we'll talk about that. Unfortunately, what their opportunities are to control the narrative are very dark and very scary. And it's like I said, I'm going to talk to you about what's happening right now. I'm going to give you some hope at the end. Don't worry about that. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, the way the world is changing. And we are talking about what I believe is the most important topic of our lifetime right now. I'm going to be back. I'm going to lay this out, what's happening, the risks and the the hope that we have. Don't go away. I'll be right back.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man.
2: complete terms.
4: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Class is in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.
3: All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We talk about the decentralized revolution I'm talking about right now. Um, this centralization of power, the governments of the world have continued to consolidate and get more and more and more and more power you know, just for example, the United States was a decentralized government, 50 independent states, a republic, not a democracy, a republic. And now we have the federal government that's centralized the power over that, right? And we have this, the, the European Union has centralized the power over Europe and all those different countries. And then we have NGOs above that, we have the World Health Organization, World Trade Organization, the UN, etc, that have centralized control over all those countries. So this massive centralization, but we're witnessing a decentralized revolution. So now things are starting to swing back the other way. We no longer want the centralized news source of CNN. Now I'll listen to all types of people online, uh, independent, decentralized voices like Joe Rogan or Matt Walsh or B- Ben Shapiro, or Russell Brand, or yes, Mark Moss. <laughs> if you're not following me on other social media, uh, why don't you do that? Check it out at one Mark Moss. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at one Mark Moss. But So as they're losing the grip, people are moving to these decentralized um, solutions. What can they do? How can they maintain their grip if people are leaving? If, If they can't control, if they can't feed you, spoon feed you the propaganda on CNN and ABC and CBS, because now you've left those to go watch people on YouTube or read their substacks, what do they do? Well, censor you. That's what they do. Censorship. And there's two levels of censorship that are very scary here. So, censorship number 1 is you're Alex Jones, you say something mean, we deplatform you. So, we kick you off YouTube, we kick you off Instagram, Facebook, social media, we wipe you out. And we've done that. All right? We've seen recently this get blown wide open by Elon Musk buying Twitter and then releasing the Twitter files. I've talked about this extensively. The Twitter files, which exposed the level at which the government is controlling Twitter to actively suppress accounts they don't like actively suppress posts they don't want, actively suppress topics they don't want. Of course, during the Hunter Biden laptop story, we saw this first and foremost in front of everybody's plain view to see, and the Twitter files really exposed that. So they can censor, but what happens when a billionaire like Elon Musk buys Twitter and doesn't allow them to do that? What happens when these people like Alex Jones, who got wiped off the face of the map, just goes onto his own website and starts broadcasting there. What do they do then? How do they control it? Well, let's talk about that. So um, I was reading this article, uh, a great article, by the way, Michael um, Schellenberger. He started a, 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 a Substack blog called Public, which I'd highly recommend that you check it out. Um, you can find it at public.substack.com. And he was talking about how uh, how how things are changing, and the world being on the cusp of woke totalitarianism as governments act to end freedom of speech. Now, uh, again, I've kind of talked about this, the importance of free speech. it underpins any free society. You can't have a free society if you don't have free speech. But it's more than that. Because like I said, it's how we share information. It's how we get collectively smarter and how we progress and how we have creativity, how we invent new things, which is why when you see a totalitarian country like North Korea, they don't have any of that. So we have now they're trying to end freedom of speech. As a matter of fact, for some crazy reason that I never could have imagined today, even in America, freedom... And freedom of speech is somehow like right-wing now. Like, how is that even political? It's just speech. One thing that separates humans from animals is our ability to speak. We should be able to speak. But here we have a media blackout as politicians in the European Union, the United States, the United Kingdom, Brazil, Ireland, Canada, Australia, all of that are now trying to jail citizens for wrong things. So... If we can't control you on CNN because you don't watch CNN anymore because you know we just lie to you all the time, then we try to control you on Twitter, but then Elon Musk buys it, and we can't control you there. And then you, like Alex Jones, just go broadcast on your own website. If If we can't censor you, then we'll just kill you. How's that? And so that's basically what they're doing. Now they want to jail citizens to protect you. Of course, it's always for your protection, to protect you from hate speech. Hate speech is what they call it. So, um, like I said, Twitter gave us this window into how this was being done, but now this is going to a whole nother level. Of, of course, under the guise of preventing harm, right? Protect you. It's always about protection, as Ben Franklin uh, allegedly said. Um, those who were, or you know, maybe Franklin, maybe Thomas Jefferson, those who are willing to give up uh, freedom for safety deserve neither. But it seems like people are always willing to give up freedom for safety. Um, and so now we're seeing that all these countries are working together to interlink their systems and this uh, censorship apparatus. Now we have politicians, NGOs, these are non-government organizations um, that are all working together to protect you from disinformation. But what's disinformation? And if we're not able to discuss this information and have people collectively chime in and openly debate it, how do we know it's disinformation? They give them very vague definitions specifically so they're able to arbitrarily apply these any way they want. Take Ireland, for example. Ireland, the government of Ireland, may soon be able to imprison people for simply just possessing material that they've decided is, quote, hateful. But what's hateful? Now, we can go to the absurds, like my daughter hates vanilla ice cream. So if I talk about vanilla ice cream to her, is that hateful? I mean, that's absurd, of course, but what is hateful? Who decides? In the United States, I talked about a few weeks ago, they're trying to pass a bill called the Restrict Act, which would give the United States, the government the ability to throw you in prison for 20 years and take away all your property with no due process, which the United States is built on a rule of law that gives us due process. But no, no due process for you if you were to use one of these internet sites that we don't deem to be okay. In Canada, uh, they, now they want to filter and manipulate what Canadians can see online. In Australia, they have one single government official that can now force social media companies to take down any posts that they don't want. We see this all over in the United Kingdom. Lawmakers are now threatening to imprison. <laughs> Again, if we don't like what you say, we can't control you. We'll just put you in jail or we'll kill you. They're threatening to imprison social media managers who don't censor enough content. In Brazil, they've introduced severe penalties for platforms that fail to remove what they deem to be fake news, like the Hunter Biden laptop story, which all proved to be real, like ivermectin, which you know, got taken down all across the world and now. They're starting to give it back again. The European Union is seeking sweeping new powers to regulate social media companies under this new EU Digital Services Act, where basically they're forcing all these large tech companies to share, they're forced to share all their data with what they consider, quote, vetted researchers. Who are these vetted researchers? (laughs) That's the problem. Who controls the ledger? Well, nonprofits, academia, NGOs, non government organizations. Now, we've had the internet for over 30 years. We've had free speech forever, for all of history. It's never been a problem, but now it is. Why? Why is the censorship industrial complex rising up and coming fast? I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about where this is going, why it's going there. And like I said, there's hope. There's a rising group to push back on this. I'm a part of it. I'm going to challenge you to be a part of it. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. You're listening to The Mark Ma Show, talking about the decentralized revolution and the censorship industrial complex, the most important topic of our lifetime. I'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. Be right back.
2: complete terms. I bet you're smart.
1: yeah and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers and I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon post reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to post reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow.
3: All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We talk about the decentralized revolution, of course, each and every week, the way the world's changing, and it's changing really fast. It's changing for, uh, it's scary. Unfortunately, times of change are typically not smooth, and that's exactly where we're at. We have one system that's dying. And it's trying to grasp and hold on as best as it can as the new system is emerging and the old system that's dying is this central, central plan, central controlled system that uses lots of methods to maintain its power, including um, the narrative, the propaganda. But now we have these decentralized um, applications and technologies that have sprouted up, and they've lost their ability to do that. And so the rise of the censorship industrial complex. And it's not just countries like North Korea or other countries that you would see going into communism. We're talking about this happening in the United States. The West, which would be Canada, the US, Europe, et cetera, is on the cusp of a way more powerful form of totalitarianism, way more powerful than communism, way more powerful than fascism ever was. It's global, and they're using technology to scale this. And if we are going to defeat this, then we have to understand it. Why are the governments seeking to crack down on freedom of speech right now? Why New Zealand, Netherlands, Brazil, Canada, UK, EU, United States, why are they all doing this? And what, what, what is the relevance of the timing and the speed of what all this is happening? The timing of the global crackdown on free speech isn't coincidental. Now think about this. Uh, Last year, the Biden administration tried to implement something called the Disinformation Governance Board. Um, They had this idea to elect this uh, lady to be this information czar who actually was one of the largest spreaders of disinformation. We have numerous accounts of the information she was spreading was all false, but somehow she was going to run this. It was the brainchild of a former CIA, of course, former CIA operative, uh, Rene de Resta of the Stanford Internet Observ- Observatory. And when they tried to put this in place, it got massive amounts of backlash. Of course it did. We're America, the land of the free. We're guaranteed by our constitution freedom of speech. And so, of course, we pushed back on that. Massive backlash on that. And so they had to pull that back. But here's the thing. When you see these crazy bills get introduced, like the Restrict Act, we'll come back to that in a minute, Um or like this uh, disinformation government board they try to put forward, and it looks like we win. Hooray, congratulations, we win. We get complacent. They're not done. Like this is going to be put into place. They're going to bring this back just in a way that you maybe don't see it or recognize it. And so here it is. We we push back. Uh, The Biden administration had to shut that down, but now they're just regrouping. Now they're trying to get it put in another way. Now, instead of what they did, and and they're changing the narrative, right? So they had this uh, woke defense of what they were trying to say was they were trying to prevent harm. So what they were saying, it was a matter of national security. So we need to protect you. It's a matter of national security. This is why you have to allow us to do this. But of course, nobody wanted that. So now they've changed it to saying, well, it's not national security. Now it's for your protection. Because, you know, there's all this hate, we have to protect you from hate. How you, We can't have you see any of this race-based hate or, or whatever online, even though we know statistically that the world has become much more tolerant. We're not getting more hateful. We're getting more tolerant. For example… Percentage of Americans who approve of marriage between a white and a black American has gone from 4% in 1958 to 87% in 2013 to now 95%. We're getting much more tolerant. There's no evidence of any any of these other types of hate-based crimes that we're seeing. Sure, anytime you do a crime against somebody, you probably hate them. There's always going to be hate. Unfortunately, I hate to tell you this, there's always going to be hate. And people are always going to make fun of you for whatever reason they can. Hey, you're ugly, you're dumb, you're fat, you're stupid, you're white, you're black, whatever. Like someone's, there's always going to be that bully or that person that does that. I don't approve of that. I don't condone it, but it's always going to be there. So basically what they're saying is we're going to just get rid of everybody being mean (laughs) because they're going to change human nature through legislation. And that's obviously not going to happen. We've seen in Ireland, lawmakers advance legislation that criminalizes the possession of material with quote the potential to cause violence. So that's just by, by having something that they think has the potential to even cause violence, now they can criminalize that. That means basically if they catch you with information that they think has the potential to do harm, they can arrest you and you could face up to five years in prison. Now that's a pre-crime. You haven't done anything. You're presumed guilty until proven innocent. If you even have the material, you didn't do anything with it. You didn't cause any harm, but you had the potential five years in prison. In Brazil, they have a law proposing censorship to protect institutions from violence and institutional delegitimization. So if you say anything against an institution, particularly a government institution, that would somehow make them look dumb or stupid or irrelevant or, as they say, delegitimize, then you go to jail. So again, if we can't control you because now you're not on CNN anymore and we can't control you on Twitter anymore, then we'll just kill you. In this case, we'll just put you in prison without even doing any crime. In Canada, they're advocating censorship in the name of promoting Canadian culture and content. A lot of that because of what happened with the Freedom Convoy, which they said was racist. Um, We see other places, of course, they're saying it's to protect the children. So that's what they're coming back to in the United States. So now there's sweeping surveillance measures trying to ban TikTok because we're uh, supposedly the Chinese are using TikTok to spy on us. Never mind that all your information from your phone is already being sold to every corporation in the world, including China. They already have the information. But of course, it's to protect the, chi- protect the children. But Europe is by far the worst offender here. The EU is seeking far-reaching powers to censor any views or dissent that they don't like and they want to they want all content moderation decisions to go to private ngos non-government organizations private ngos not democratically elected people people that have no visibility no accountability private ngos are going to have the ability to do that now why why are the politicians trying to crack down on freedom of speech because, back to the book, they're threatened by the revolt of the public. Because the public will always seek truth, will always see what is going on, and that is the revolt. The revolt will be when we know they're lying to us, when we know these institutions are full of fraud, we want to hold them accountable. And any time the public want to revolt against us because of this information, that, that's what they want to crack down. They want to hold the power. scary stuff. Like I said, this is the most important topic of our lifetime. If this fails, everything fails. Again, without freedom of speech, there is no freedom. Now, also, I also, also often say that without the freedom to transact, there is no freedom. But it goes in one and the same. Censorship. They want to censor our transactions, the way that I can send money to you. They're doing that with central bank digital currencies. They want to censor my ability to communicate with you. Which then censors my own thoughts. It's all censorship. So it's scary, Mark. You're full. You're full of doom and gloom today. I'm not like listening to you. Uh, I, I was hoping to for some hope here. Hopium. Give me some hopium. Give me another hit of that. Okay, so let's talk about that. I believe there is massive hope. I am confident because I know that their plans will not work. Central planning always fails. I do believe that we beat this. I do believe there's massive hope, but not unless we do the work. So how can we stop them? That's the next answer. So we're going to talk about that. How do we stop them? What can we do? If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show talking about the decentralized revolution, of course, each and every week, the way the world is moving from a centralized world to a decentralized world. The changes might not be smooth, but it's going to be great on the other side. So we'll be back with more in a minute. Uh, Don't go away. I'm gonna take a very quick break and I'll be right back.
2: Complete terms.
4: The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates, young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a and Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your
3: Xfinity voice remote. All right, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Of course, we talk about the decentralized revolution, which is a very big topic on its own one that you need to know about. But today we are talking about the most important topic of our current time. And that is the censorship that we're facing. And so I've gone through a lot if you've missed it, I'm not going to go back and repeat it all. But you don't want to miss it. It's that important. So either one, you can check it out on the podcast. Don't worry, I got your back. So just go to the podcast, search Mark Moss show on your favorite podcast player, you can listen to it or go to my YouTube channel and search market disruptors. And you can watch me and you can listen to me there as well. Now, also, just uh, one more shout out, go to the YouTube. Also, you can follow me on social media at one Mark Moss. That's the at number one Mark Moss. So it's a very important topic. You need to listen to this. But now we're going to get to the last part, which is great, Mark. It's very scary. Uh, I'm very worried. What are we going to do about it? And you should be. As I I say, sort of joking around uh, just as an exaggeration. So you sort of get it which is, I say, you know, now that they can't stop you, so now that we have uh, these open communication tools like Noster and like Bitcoin, they can't control those, they can't shut those down. And so, well, if we can't shut them down, then we'll just kill you. Um, No one's really offered to kill you yet, but they are, in the United States specifically, with this Restrict Act, they literally want to put you in prison for 20 years, take away all your property, a million-dollar fine, and no due process. So you don't get to go to court like most people. This is unilaterally decided. That's the United States. That's, that's worse than you would get for second-degree murder. That's worse than they do in China, and this is in the United States. Every other country is putting things just like this into place. And as a matter of fact, they're already doing this. As a matter of fact, um, because of these uh, Twitter files as I was talking about, um, the United States government pulled the, all the people into Congress and said, hey, uh, they got, they got uh, Michael Schellenberger, and they got Matt Taibbi, and they brought him in front of Congress uh, to talk to the censorship industrial complex, and basically said, hey, we need to know what's going on. The FTC, Federal Trade Commission, sent letters to uh, Elon Musk. Uh, that we need to know who the journalists are, which that's not the way the country works. Journalists are supposed to be protected. As they were testifying before Congress, they sent the IRS to Matt's home. You see how they're doing this? Then they had MSNBC host Mehdi Hassan, who, uh, again, censorship, propaganda outlet for the government. Mehdi Hassan was talking about uh, Matt Taibbi on air. And then they falsely claimed that they had debunked the information in the Twitter files. So they came up with a fake narrative saying, oh, we debunked all that information. And because they debunked it, supposedly, then a member of Congress threatened Matt Taibbi with prison time for lying to Congress. And I'm going to say her name Rep Stacy Plaskett. Again, Rep Stacy Plaskett. Know her name. Send her a letter. So because they got Mehdi Hassan to go on and lie on mainstream news. That they debunked the Twitter files, then they try to say that he lied to Congress, and that he they they wanted to give him five years in prison for this this is how this is this is where we 're at right now in the United States now, the Twitter files blew the lid off the censorship industrial complex they were mad about that, obviously they're trying to scare people by going to prison to shut this down, but they 're not scared they're willing to back up now we have multiple um very credentialed um reporters that have gone in to affirm everything that the Twitter file showed and to discredit to discredit the claims that Mehdi Hassan made showing that it was debunked. So they discredited her. She's the one lying and they affirmed all that information. Of course, she doesn't get threatened for five years in prison because she's giving the information to the military industrial complex or the censorship industrial complex. Okay, so uh, enough scaring. What are we gonna do about it? Well Like I said, uh, this is happening. Um, Totalitarians are getting away with it. Um, In a lot of these countries, they've already passed the legislation. They've already passed legislation in Europe. Now they're implementing it. They've already passed it in Canada. They've already passed it in Ireland. Um, Next month, it'll probably get passed in Brazil. This is happening. In the United States, this restrict act hasn't got passed yet, but I think there's Uh, I had the number here. I think there's 25 co-sponsors. This isn't just some like freshman whack job that just put this bill together. No, 25 co-sponsors, 13 Republicans and 11 Democrats and one independent. So, you know, don't think I'm some political right wing, whatever. I'm going to go hard on both sides of the aisle. Anyone that's against freedom. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. 13 more Republicans signed onto this bill. It's pretty disappointing. Mark Warner, Democrat, Virginia, Shelley Capito, Republican, Deb Fisher, Republican, Jerry Moran, Republican, Dan Sullivan, Republican. I mean, it's just, of course, uh, Mitt Romney, you might figure that. Joe Manchin, though. I mean, come on, Joe Manchin. So these are, these are not some fly-by-night people. These are some big, big names. So anyway, what are we going to do about it? Okay, well, obviously, one, we have to stand up to this. You know, the United States used to be kind of being driven and being pushed by this this enlightenment of liberalism. I remember when I was a kid, my parents tell me about like Berkeley in California and it was like this free speech mecca and how bad it was because they were speaking. They wanted freedom of speech to push this, this new, you know, sexual revolution and drug culture and all these things. And the conservatives didn't like that. So we had this enlightenment of liberalism, but now it's been taken over by woke totalitarianism. So what they used to push for free speech, now they're pushing to restrict speech. As a matter of fact, you can see there was a video done, a documentary, Dennis Prager and um, Adam Carolla, No Safe Spaces, highly recommend, check it out, the documentary. And they basically went to these colleges and they were just trying to have, you know, colleges would have people come speak. And these colleges will not allow anybody to come speak that they don't agree with. And they shout them down and Ben Shapiro wanted to come speak and um, they couldn't have him there. They didn't have enough security. They had to spend all this money on security. It caused all these problems. So it went from this enlightenment to now woke totalitarianism. But we see this resistance growing both from the right and the left. It's happening, it's happening fast. Uh, Michael Schellenberger, Matt Taibbi, they've teamed up and they've created uh, uh, a global resistance movement to totalitarianism. If you want to join in this global resistance movement to totalitarianism, you can go to censorshipindustrialcomplex.org. Again, censorshipindustrialcomplex.org. Now I'm not associated with them, not yet. (laughs) Maybe they'll allow me to be associated with them, so I'm not getting paid to promote this, but it's important to me and it should be important to you. So check that out. Censorshipindustrialcomplex.org. Uh, but like I said, this is growing really fast. We're seeing people from both sides coming on. Uh, in Ireland, we have eco-socialist uh, Paul Murphy um, trying to promote people to join uh, join in on this. Um, in New Zealand, we have documents that show direct coordination between the disinformation project. Um in in Australia, there's a free speech think tank, Institute of Public Affairs. They're fighting against this uh, constitutional referendum. Um, in Brazil, um, there's a name that I can't really pronounce. Folha de São Paulo gave uh, basically a, a Pulitzer-winning journalist is um, trying to push this anti-censorship, um, you know, fight back against this crackdown. The takeaway is is that they are, they, the governments of the world, the the elites are grasping at straws, they're doing everything they can to maintain power. And if they can't censor you, then they'll just kill you or literally throw you in prison. If they felt good about what they were doing, they wouldn't have to censor. There's a saying that says you don't prove a man wrong by ripping out his tongue. You only prove that you have something to hide. If they felt secure in the censorship agenda, they wouldn't be hiding and trying to rush all these things through in the legislature. This is the most important thing of our time right now. Check out censorshipindustrialcomplex.org, see what you can do. If you're just tuned in, you are listening to the Mark Moss Show. Of course, I talk about the decentralized revolution, and this is exactly what I'm talking about. The censorship is from centralized central planners. And as we're leaving their centrally planned world into a decentralized world of internet and, and news sources, they want to shut it down, but we're not going to let them time to speak up and fight back. Um, that's what I got. You've been listening to the Mark Moss show. Thanks for listening.
1: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print, or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. From BBC Radio
4: 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast,
0: is going on a road trip.